It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I was there in December. I'd always wanted to go and I have to say, honestly, it made a bigger impact on me than I ever thought possible. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Auschwitz-Birkenau, that place in southern Poland where 1.3 million people were imprisoned between June 1940 and January 1945. 1.1 million Listen to that figure. People, mainly Jews, died in the gas chambers from disease, starvation and simple exhaustion. The camp was liberated 75 years ago today and we're going to talk about it for the next while with a very famous mead man. Yes, you know him well. He's Peter Castles and he is the outgoing chair of the Holocaust Education Trust of Ireland. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jerry, and thanks for having me on. Not at all. This is one poignant day. And as I said, Peter, I'd always wanted to go. And it's very recent with me. I was there in December and we had the most marvellous guide, a Polish lady who I reckon her family had been caught up in this, who took us round both places, Auschwitz and uh, Birkenau. And Peter, I don't think I've ever been on, and I've been abroad quite a lot uh, and on many tours in many famous places, but there were so few words spoken, Peter. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you went, Jerry, because, and I hope more people will go because, as you say, it does have a, an enormous impact. I have to say, me, me personally, it obviously was a great honour to chair the Holocaust Education Trust for about 10 years. But the one thing there was that I met with um, Tommy Reichenthal, Holocaust survivor, to become a close family friend. And uh, indeed, he would have brought a lot of us to Auschwitz as well. And from talking to Tommy now, he's, he's 83, and I keep asking him, well, why does he keep going around the schools of Drogheda and Navan and other towns and that? And he says he's really worried. And, and the main reason he said he's really worried is that, given that, that there are so few survivors, that people will forget, and people will forget what happened. Indeed, as we know, some people are trying to deny that mm. it happened on the scale it happened, and that it might happen again. So... Yeah, I think, you know, visits to Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen and other places are crucial so that we never, first of all, that we remember, as you say, the 1.1 million Jews who uh, were killed there and murdered there and died there, but equally as well that we ensure we know why it happened and that we can see that it won't happen again. 
Yeah, we've met Tommy here on late lunch and we actually spoke to him again by phone recently uh, as he was, as you say, on a visit to a school, I think, in County Mead at the time. Yep. But but you know what? Like When I when I sit here today, and we're doing this for, for this reason, to, to tell people that the, this did happen, and there are deniers, Peter, Peter, there's no doubt about that, but I watched on Channel 4, I think it was last night or the night before, and I recommend people to watch it. It's harrowing. It's shocking. You'll probably have to maybe turn it off. But when the troops arrived at Auschwitz, somebody had a cine camera with them, Peter. I don't know whether you've seen this. And I they've seen it all right. Yeah, they yeah. filmed the scenes. Oh, Peter, yeah. Peter. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And again, I mean, you mentioned Tommy there and he'd been on your show on that. I mean, the personal testimony, in addition to that film you've seen, and the personal testimony that he has as a nine-year-old of where he's saying he saw people there in skin and bone, um, lost 35 of his, you know, aunts and uncles and grandparents and that there, and the skin and bone, and they're falling down in front of him, never to get up again. And, uh, I mean, this, I'm sorry to say this now for uh, listeners and that, uh, but to say that, you know, his vivid memory was of people uh, getting themselves up on the barbed wire so they could be shot because they couldn't take any more. It's just awful to contemplate. Yeah. But, but he, here's the thing, Peter, uh, that that uh, changed me from my visit there and, and speaking to the guide. And I had a great conversation with her afterwards yeah. as well, uh, uh, quietly. I have to say that in my heart, I've always had a hatred towards the Nazis and the people yeah. who did this. Yeah. Yeah. But I've... I've come to realise, and, and call, I, I describe them as absolute monsters. Uh, but Peter, these were people like ourselves. They were doctors, solicitors, professionals, exactly. ordinary workers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the extraordinary thing is the fact that, as you say, many of the perpetrators, uh, if you take the conference that took the final decision to say that what they were going to do was to wipe out the Jewish population, their culture their history, their religion. I mean, most of the people at that, as you say, were doctors and solicitors and farmers and uh, the collaborators. But there was also then the sort of bystanders. I mean, people who looked the other way. And indeed, we weren't behind that, you know, here in Ireland. I mean, one of the things, and uh, as I say, somebody like Tommy is a very generous person, would never bring it up. But when I ask him, I mean, he would say things to us like the fact that somebody like um, Sean Russell, you know, the the IRA man, uh, went to Germany to try and sort of get them to come here uh, to try and sort of see, well, would Germany help us to sort of invade Britain, as it were, in that Ireland's opportunity? Not looking at the fact that people he was asking were wiping out a whole uh, generation and thousands and millions of people and there's a statue of him up in Fairview, which I can't understand that we've allowed to live there to this day. And then the other factor with the Jewish refugees, and I'm sure you probably got this in the conversation over there. Um, there was a conference again of countries, well, we need to take in these people to escape Germany and that. And Ireland was one of the countries which said, oh, well, hold on now a moment. Uh, we may take some, but we're not really taking them, you know. And uh, we took very, very few. So the reason it happened, as you say, was the perpetrators, who many of whom were 
people like, as I said, doctors and shopkeepers and um, lawyers and that, and then the collaborators, of which many and some were from outside, and then the bystanders. And, and this, again, is what people keep saying to us, and people like Tommy keep saying to me, is, listen, Peter, you know, once this starts, we need to ensure that any of this, whether it's anti-Semitism or hatred or racism, it has to be stamped out from the start. Because look what happens when people look the other way. Uh, yeah, that's so true. It, it really is, Peter, that we are all complicit. If we stand by and yeah. say nothing and don't stand up for what is right, we are all sharing and culpable of yeah. what ultimately happens to yeah. people. Yeah. Um, the, the rise in anti-Semitism, we, we, we hear about it, like it's written about, it's on radio, it's on television, you know, we hear about it in Britain, we hear about it across Europe and that as well. There is a real worry, isn't there, um, among the Jewish people that this could happen again? Well, there is uh, very much so a, a, a real worry. I mean, we saw, and this was only in December there, in France and Alsace, where the graveyards of uh, Jewish uh, cemeteries, the, the, the graves in the uh, cemetery, were all daubed with swastika. And then we saw in Italy, where in northern Italy and Veneto and that, where there seemed to have a serious problem, of where people writing Juden here, which was the Jew here, uh, across the door of houses where Jewish people lived. And then we know ourselves, because we follow, as we know, British elections all the time here in Ireland. I mean, the British Labour Party has been just torn apart. Uh, with all of mm. the anti-Semitism. Now, part of it is, is it appears certainly in the British Labour Party side to be a sort of anti-Israel thing. But again, it was interesting talking with Tommy. I mean, he would sort of say to me that when they were liberated and went back to Slovakia, and that of course all their because they had a farm there was gone, and uh, people had taken it, and they had nowhere to go, and they were clearly told they weren't welcome. And so they emigrated himself and his mother and Mikey, his brother, who's still in Israel, to Israel. And the thing that Tommy would say to me was, well, you know, if it was there, I mean, I know it, it wasn't formed out of the Holocaust, but he basically started saying if it was there at an earlier stage, many of those and many of those people in Auschwitz that you saw what happened uh, would have escaped. And uh, I think we just need to be very, very careful uh, how we handle all of this now for the future. And on a wider sense, Peter, I was just thinking before we uh, started talking today, um, I I mentioned in recent times in other parts of the world, Rwanda, we can consider the Balkans in Europe. We see what happened, the Rohingya people in Myanmar in more recent times. And that guide, I want to come back to that lovely lady who took us round Auschwitz-Birkenau, said to me afterwards, you know, she said, Jerry, I'm going to say this to you. In Iraq today, what is happening is similar to what ha- is happening here, what happened here, because people, they're not being brought into camps, but they're being absolutely obliterated with bombing in that country. And I put on the news every night. And you know what her final words were to me, Peter? Yep. She says, I honestly think in life at times that there's more decency in the animal kingdom where they hunt for food and only for that than there is with human beings. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Now, obviously, in the case of the, the, the Holocaust, it was of such a scale and also trying to wipe out uh, a whole people and, as I said, their religion and, and culture and that, um, that it doesn't bear comparison. However, I would recommend to uh, your listeners there that if they do nothing over the next while watching 
films and documentaries that they get Jerry Gregg's documentary, Condemned to Evil, or Condemned to Remember, uh, the earlier one was Returned to Evil, but Condemned to Remember, where Tommy deals very much with the very point you were making. He was filming uh, around Germany and Slovakia and other areas and that uh, for the documentary when he met some Muslims from Bosnia. And they had escaped that, but they told him what had happened. And, I mean, Jerry Gregg said to me, Tommy immediately said to him, Jerry, come on, we're going to have to go to Sarajevo and um, abandon what we're doing. We're going to carry on filming over there. And, of course, Jerry's saying to him, no, no, Tommy, we have to film our film. And it's a big part of the film. And an extraordinary thing within it, there's a young Muslim chap who endured again, lost his family as Tommy did, and the two of them walking down the road, and he's saying that he's no hope, and Tommy saying to him, listen, I survived, and look what I'm doing, and you survived, right? So we're going to have to walk this road together of trying to tell people what happened, which is the important thing, because they were the eyewitnesses, and then talk to them about rooting out hatred and racism and uh, anti-Semitism uh, and anti-Islam and all of that. Uh, and there is an extraordinary moment in the, in, the, in the film, in fact, of where Tommy celebrates his 80th birthday in a mosque in Blanchardstown, which Navin people would pass on the way into Dublin there. Uh, it's just on your right-hand side with Sheikh Omar al-Khadri. And I was there that night, and it was an extraordinary uh, embrace between the Muslims, not just from Blanchardstown, but also they were there from Waterford and Galway and and Belfast, and celebrating Tommy's 80th birthday. But I remember a number of them saying to me afterwards, that's not the version of the Holocaust that we were taught. And again, that's important thing, as you said earlier, that this isn't forgotten, and that the sort of education that's done by the Holocaust Education Trust uh, is brought out to all of these schools. And of course, you had your own ceremony in Dublin yesterday to remember, and there are many events happening all over the world today. And we had the get together in Jerusalem and Israel where the world leaders came over the weekend. Do you, for a man who's worked for a decade here in Ireland and have such an insight into this, do you honestly, have you confidence to feel that the awareness is on the rise now at this anniversary and that it won't happen again. Can you say that categorically or not, Peter? I, I, I mean, I would be afraid, and I think, therefore, that the work that Tommy and the Holocaust Education Trust does in schools, uh, there's a teacher program where uh, teachers are taking on the program as to how to teach the Holocaust and the information they need in that. Uh, they're taking on visits, one of them to Auschwitz, the one that, that, that you did, Jerry. And they're also taken to Jerusalem, to, the, uh, to Israel, to the Holocaust Museum. And also, uh, there is a crocus project which children plant yellow bulbs in memory of the uh, over a million children that were um, killed in the, in, the, in the Holocaust. But the reason for the, the, the yellow bulbs is, of course, as Tommy explains, he had to wear an actual yellow star on his going to school to identify that he was um, he was a Jew, and uh, so far in Ireland now I'd be encouraged because there's about forty thousand uh, children in schools across the country, including in Drogheda actually, who have been part of the project uh, because it enables them then to talk about 
well, why are we planting the yellow bul- bulbs and that? And I think these are good ways of, along with Tommy's films, of uh, doing this. Uh, most recently, he went up to Northern Ireland to do it with schools in Northern Ireland. And this was interesting, of where I thought it was brave of him, but Tommy insisted that he would only talk to Catholic schools and Protestant schools together, even though there's very little, as you know, integrated mm-hmm. education, because he wanted in bringing them together. So in the room, when he went to talk, you would have two schools, one Protestant school, one Catholic school. In talking to them, he wanted to draw out exactly the question that you have just raised of, you know, living together, getting to know each other, getting to respect each other, and ensuring that we never go back to what happened on this island over the, you know, last 40 years, you know. Wonderful of him. He he is a fantastic man. But uh, just on, on finishing, Peter, I thank you for joining us on this poignant day. And, and to say again, as you said earlier, if you can at all in your lifetime, and it took me a while to get there, I have to say, but uh, we had a lovely time in Krakow, but to go there and experience it and just see yes, what absolutely. happened for absolutely. yourself. And, 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 and to take in the city itself, because as you yeah. say, it is a wonderful city as well. It certainly is. Peter, I do appreciate you taking time to join us on Late Lunch today. Um, and thank you for doing the item, Jerry. I think it is very important that local radio would um, follow through with these issues. Yep. Thank you, Peter. Take care of yourself. That's Peter Castles there, outgoing chair of the Holocaust Education Trust in Ireland. Wonderful, wonderful man and been involved in an awful lot in his lifetime here in this country. But uh, I say it again, I have been there and it's it's hard and difficult to contemplate. But today... We remember the millions who were exterminated, is the word, is all I can say, by the Nazis. And to say it must never, ever, ever happen again. And please think of the people in Iraq and in countries that are locked in similar situations today and pray and hope that sense prevails ultimately. Because the bottom line is we have one short human existence. Everybody comes from a different, not everybody, but there are groups come from different perspectives in beliefs, in religions and faith and in life. But we are all human beings, no matter what colour, no what race. There's another anniversary happening at this time, Louise. 50 years since, I would call it a seminal album was released, Bridge Over Troubled Water. I can't believe that. It just seems such a young song. Mm. It does, in a way. It's hard to contemplate that it's 50 years ago. Yeah. Simon and Garfunkel. It's just timeless. Were you a fan? Did you follow I can't all? listen to Bright Eyes Without Crying. Uh, Do you remember Water... Is it Water, Watership Down? Was that Watership the film? Watership Down. One of the... Oh, one saddest of the, films One of the ever. early movies I went to see in my life. Art Garfunkel and Paul Simon, of course. Watership Down is right. Love that. And I love um, Sound of Silence, of course. Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, you don't think of all these... All the great Brilliant songs, songs but they had. they had such a repertoire. Yeah, Paul Simon's prominent today. You don't hear a lot, do you, about Art Garfunkel? No, you never see him at I hope all. I, he's still alive, isn't he? He is, yeah, I'm I didn't Googling. hear. Oh, yeah, he is. Art <laughs> is still alive, so he is. The fellow with the tall fellow with the fuzzy hair and Paul was the little fella, dark fella. I saw them in concert. Did you? Mm. 
Where? In America or Dublin. Yeah, I saw oh. them in concert way back, way, way back. So I did. Were they good? Uh, and they were fantastic. Yeah, they were absolutely brilliant. But it's uh, in the year dot at this stage. But anyway, Bridge Over Troubled Water was released 50 years ago. I think it was yesterday. It's yesterday or today. Probably yesterday, I think. It was the fifth and final studio album. The album, listen to this, spent 10 weeks at number one in the Billboard Top 100 in the States. 10 weeks. And the single, Bridge Over Troubled Water, was six weeks in the number one slot. Mm. And you know what? It's a fantastic song because the lyrics are as powerful in my book today and as relevant today as they were half a century ago. Let's hear it. The brilliant Bridge Over Troubled Water. Happy 50th.
Yeah, Ray's been in touch with us after my chat with Peter Castles earlier on. He said he was looking at a programme uh, where a survivor from Auschwitz was interviewed and uh, the person was saying they couldn't sleep as they remembered babies being thrown alive into the uh, chambers. And look, Ray, I understand what you're saying as well. And of course, we had our own horror here in Ireland with babies as well. Thanks for the comment. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now... During January and late launch, we've been bringing you a a lovely series with nutritionist Rachel Graham. It's all about eating your way to weight loss and better health. Part four of four today with Rachel. She's back in the hot seat. Welcome back to Late Launch. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? Great to see you again. Uh, uh, Forgive me, you might have thought you walked into a mini supermarket here today. (laughs) Yes, I know. There's lots of products here in front of me. Yeah, well, I had an idea since you were here last week. Mm -hmm. You were talking about the labelling on foodstuffs and the hidden sugars. Mm-hmm. So I decided today, and I didn't, I didn't tell Rachel about this. I'm out of bringing yeah. this in her. I brought up a few uh, foodstuffs that would probably be in most ho- homes or kitchens at the moment. And I wanted you just to have a quick look at the labels. There's not too many of them. So if you bear with us, Rachel's going to have a look at each of these and give me the lowdown. On. Now, first up, I had that soup for my lunch okay. with a little whole grain bread sandwich earlier on. Mm-hmm. And it's a well-known brand of soup uh, yeah. in all the supermarkets here in Ireland. How is it sugar-wise or with hidden sugars? Okay, so first of all, the overall portion is 400 grams. Okay, and yeah. then when you turn uh, the packaging around and you see the nutritional values listed, you'll see that they've uh, listed them for a 100 gram portion. So everything that's listed on the label here, you need to multiply by four, by a factor of now, four. Now, straight away, that's a bit of a ruse, isn't it? It's, it's very misleading. That's wrong. Absolutely. So so labelling and packaging needs to be looked at. Exactly. And this is something I touched on last week when I was actually using uh, breakfast cereal as the example, Mm. that they only give you the nutritional information for a 30 gram portion, which is roughly three tablespoons. You're having at least three or four times that in the average uh, portion size. So until this is rectified, and rectified it should be, you need to understand what the breakdown in terms of fats and sugars, etc., It relates to it quantity-wise. So it's for yeah. 100 grams on this soup. I had 400, so ha- had I much sugars? Yeah, yeah, you did, actually. So you had, um, a, It's four. Po- the, the text is absolutely tiny. It's 4.7 grams per 100 grams, so times four. So Nearly you know, 20. Nearly 20 grams, exactly. And what's my daily allowance? Six teaspoons, which is 30 grams. So in that soup alone... Mm-hmm. I'm nearly on my daily limit. Exactly. And that's just, folks, an example yes. of a lovely soup that many of you have bought and are drinking at your lunch times mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. You need to look at it. Now, beside that is a, a natural live yogurt. And yes. you said to me, go for the natural yogurt. There's yeah. some seeds and that in mm-hmm. it as well. Yeah. How am I fixed there? Now, I haven't had that. I'll have that after the show with a little bit of honey and fruit. Yeah. OK, so it's listed as containing sweetener. Mm. So we don't know what that is. It's an artificial sweetener. Possibly it is also advertised as having no added sugar, no artificial colours, flavours or preservatives. Mm. But they have listed sweetener as part of the ingredient list. Would but you be suspicious? Yes, because it's it's listed under natural flavourings. And this is another really, really misleading term because natural flavourings can actually be artificial flavourings that are enhanced with natural flavourings. Mm. So labelling is, is such a grey area. 
So if I were going for yogurt, rather than that, what should I see on the labelling on the side of a yogurt that's good for me? There should be no sweeteners, no sugars. Exactly. There's quite a lot of ingredients in this particular yogurt and there shouldn't be, you know, there should be like milk solids and uh, water and probably a live culture. That should be it. That's it. Yeah. So that's what you're looking for yeah, in a real natural yogurt exactly. that you can sweeten a little, as you said, if you want, yes. with a little bit of honey or exactly. something. And that's better for you. Yeah. OK, put that one aside there. Now, here we are. Of course, where would a cupboard, a store cupboard be in a house without peas or beans? We're starting with a famous bean there. And you have a small 200 can. Grams. 200 grams. OK, okay. Right. what's okay. in that tin of beans? And I want to say it's not a no sugar. It's what mm-hmm. we always ate in, mm-hmm. in terms of beans. Okay, so it's a it's the smallest can that you can imagine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is a two hundred gram portion, and there is ten grams of sugar in that small can, which is basically two teaspoons. So again, yeah, you're at already just over a quarter of your daily allowance in terms of added so sugar. So if I had the tin of beans and the soup, I'm nearly yeah, you're over. I'm done without even having a fizzy drink, a bit of chocolate, or any of those treats that you consider. So this is what I'm talking about. Hidden sugar is a killer. And you thought last Monday was Blue Monday. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is the reality, folks. This is what yeah. we're all being fed and eaten. Yeah. What about the peas? Interesting, okay. the processed peas. The peas are what Small size? little tin. Oh, that's tiny. Gra- oh, sorry, did you see the size of that text? Have you, I, I'm going to need glasses to read that. Do you want that. me to read it yes, for you? Here, wait, wait. So what are you looking for there? Tell me. Um, well, that's a Carbohydrates are of which sugars? Yeah, and the portion size? 2.5 grams per 90 grams. Okay. And there's 140 40. in that. Yeah. So we're looking Three at to four. About, yeah, exactly. Three to four on that little yes, tiny tin of beans exactly, as well. Yeah. So there's quite a bit in that. Now, you mentioned noodles last week. Here, mm-hmm. can you read the label on that noodles? If you can't, I'll help you. Okay, so these are egg noodles. Yes, proprietary egg noodles anyone would get. They're not whole grain. Now, no. you, I want to emphasise again, you're a big fan of the whole grain. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's salt, um, yeah, sodium carbonate, potassium hydrogen carbonate. So there's a lot of additives there um, as well. And in terms of their nutritional value, so per 100 grams, and this is a 300 gram portion yeah. size. Yes. So they're saying per serving, but I don't know how big their serving size is, probably... 50 grams maybe which mm. is only one nest of noodles like it's yes, a very yes, small I know what nest you're about, yeah. yeah so that would be um yeah 1.4 grams but everyone's going to have at least two so that's two nests of noodles so that's yes. you're looking at three grams of sugar there so a okay. teaspoon of sugar in that in, so that's refined white flour as well you know yes. so, so you're better going for the whole grain, whole and, grain those noodles, yeah. and then finally the mayonnaise I'm curious this because you mentioned it last week there's a brand new tub of uh, light mayonnaise light mayonnaise mm. okay so per portion, which is a 15 gram portion in their opinion, which is roughly three teaspoons, mm. okay, uh, you're looking at uh, half a gram of sugar. Um, but more interestingly, there is just as much salt. Okay, so that's yeah. sugar and high salt. Yeah, and it's also high, it's high in saturated fats. Okay. You know? okay. So I was recommending a, a good healthier swap would be using things like hummus. Yes. And um, mashed avocado would okay. be a better option. Okay, great. Okay, just an example there I mm-hmm. thought that we would bring to yeah. life, you know what I mean? Yeah. Actual labels yeah. on products there. Just it's, to give you an example. It's a great idea actually because it really highlights what we were talking about last week and the pitfalls of the hidden sugar because we're not expecting it in these kind of savoury yes. sources, you know? Yes. But it is, folks. It's in there by the spoonful yeah. and you're only allowed a few spoons in yeah, a day. Spoons, yeah. Now, 
the missing piece, if you look at the last, including today, our four weeks uh, speaking here on Late Lunch about, you know, eating for weight loss and better health, mm. gut health. Come yes. back to that again, because it may be the, the missing piece. And I think you would agree yeah. that it is. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think people really realise um, how much uh, good gut health can really influence their overall health as well as weight loss. So there has been obviously a lot of research that's come out recently about um, the importance of good gut health and how it can really benefit nearly every system in our body, as well as future proof our long-term health. Um, But in addition, there's now new research coming out about how good gut health can actually influence your weight management, your weight gain, your weight loss. And um, there has been some interesting kind of human trials happening in America. So in Washington, the Washington School of Medicine is actually one of the first research centres to get into this. And they took two cohorts or two groups of people, a lean or slim group of people and an obese group of people. And they actually discovered that the lean, slim group of people had roughly 70% more beneficial bacteria contained in their gut than the obese, overweight um, uh, tr- group. So it was um, something that I thought was really interesting because then they actually uh, did a bit more research and they realised that it was the diversity of their gut microbes that was actually playing a role. Not just the amount that they had 70% more, but just the different strains. And that's what's key. And you get those different strains from a plant-rich diet and fibre. And if you were to say to people today things you can take mm-hmm. listen to what Rachel's saying that's the way to have yeah. that diverse uh, yeah. spread of microbes in your gut but to help it along yes. what would you say if you were to say a few things that you could take and they would be beneficial as well as eating well yeah okay so first of all going back to the sugar. So sugar literally starves your microbes of the nutrients that they need because they can't use sugar as a food source. So they literally die off. And the same goes with those harmful fats. Remember, we were talking about those and the likes of the highly processed foods or the fast food. Those fats actually give off, they actually encourage the growth of harmful bacteria so that you get an overgrowth of harmful bacteria. And they also cause inflammation which then leads to weight loss, or, or sorry, weight uh, weight gain. Gain. Yes. Okay. So um, the kind of foods that you need to include in your diet, which is what you're asking me, is the good fats. So the nuts, the seeds, the avocados, the heart-healthy oils, like the omega-3 oils, the olive oil, the rapeseed oil that I've been, you know, uh, talking about. And then things like a really diverse range of fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, whole grains. That is like Christmas for your gut microbes. They just love that stuff. They gobble it up and then they convert it into anti-inflammatory properties, which then bring down things like uh, pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes or any kind of health conditions that are rooted in inflammatory uh, causes. So you're saying to me, you don't need anything to supplement your gut if you eat in that fashion. Exactly. And, And then to top it off, fermented foods is like the icing on the proverbial cake. How good is a real... True blue, natural yogurt, kefir, we talked about mm, that here before, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Are they good for you? Absolutely. They're like literally drinkable probiotics. So they're good to supplement. Yes, completely. But not having the bad type of diet and thinking I can take these as, yeah. you know what I mean, feeling good within yeah. myself, that won't work. Because as I was saying, like sugar is literally, it's it's damaging that very, very um, delicate balance of your gut microbiome. So, and it's starving your beneficial gut bacteria of the food that they need. So the more sugar that you have running around there, the more it's starving them of the food that they need. So you just need to slowly but surely cut out all of this hidden sugar 
and just replace it with the, 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 the natural sugars found in whole foods. And you will feel better. That Absolutely. is that is the yeah. message we're yeah. sending. We have more to hear from Rachel in the final part of a wonderful series, Eat Your Way to Weight Loss and Better Health. If you have a question, if you'd like to put a question to her, yeah, still have time, you'll have yes. to be quick. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. You can call in at 1850-715-958. Nutritionist Rachel Graham is with us on Late Lunch. I knew I'd get plenty of questions for you. <laughs> um, Jerry. I've just been tuning in. So interesting. Could you ask Rachel to mention a good live yogurt that I can take? Yeah. So the brand that I use when I'm not making my own, that is, is Glenisk. And they make a really good live probiotic yogurt, one that is low fat or full fat. Um, Either are okay as long as the low fat version has no sugar, no added sugar and no artificial sweeteners. Um, Another one. Is there a particular brand of whole grain bread, Rachel, that you recommend that's better than others? I've been listening each week with interest. Thank you indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so uh, I mostly make my own sourdough bread um, and I also uh, will make a porridge bread, which I can share the recipe with you, uh, Jerry. also. Uh, If we want to, if you're in the supermarket and stuck on time, I would say go with the McCambridge's. It's really good. Okay, that's your recommendation mm-hmm. there. Another one, uh, my cholesterol reading uh, has been uh, taken lately and it's touching on the high side. Uh, they want to give me medication, but I've asked, can I first have a go at lowering it without the drugs? Yeah. Any advice from Rachel would be much appreciated, Jerry, and that's from Maura. Thank you. Yeah, Maura, hi. No problem. So I um, would definitely recommend uh, going the kind of drug-free approach, first of all, and I would say your GP is would be delighted to give you that kind of three-month period to, you know, adjust your diet and lifestyle. Um, and there's plenty of things that you can do, uh, really an awful lot. It's just thinking about eating whole foods, switching all of your refined white carbohydrates for the whole grain variety as I've been recommending and Jerry is now starting to do. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 I am. I am. Yeah, which is great. And then obviously reducing sugar because sugar is the biggest driver of cardiovascular disease. So reducing all of the hidden sugar and then including, you know, obviously more of the whole grains and lots and lots and lots of fibre because it's actually the combination of fibre that you would find in uh, uh, plants it's plant stenols, things like almonds, um, is is really, really beneficial. She's not joking. I've arrived home <laughs> with the whole grain rice, uh, the spaghetti, the pasta shapes as well. <laughs> I am making the change. I am drinking more water. I promise you, I'm doing, I'm taking Rachel's advice. Here's another one. I've recently given up smoking, but now find myself snacking more mm. than usual. Rachel, any suggestions, please, for curbing that snacking impulse? Well, as I've been kind of talking about that secret sauce to weight loss, that combination of fibre and protein, so high fibre um, foods like the apple and almond butter that I gave you last week. Oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah. what a hit. What a hit in the office. It went to number one in the chart straight away. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's really tasty. So just just always think about fibre and protein. So um, an orange or an apple or a pear with a handful of nuts, even a boiled egg that's high fibre and uh, high, sorry, high fat and high protein. Those combinations will really help to curb your snacking habit because they were basically going to keep you full for longer. 
Um, we will, and Rachel has been saying to me, she's going to send us the recipe for the porridge bread and again for the little... Uh, uh, you left those apple donuts here last week. <laughs> they're all gone like really? that. I'm not joking. <laughs> you. I'll tell you whoever you are about the smoking. If you taste these with the goji berries and that, they're absolutely fabulous. Mm. And you will be getting the sweet kick, yes. but it's good for you. Yeah. It's all yeah. it's all natural yeah. stuff. You know, it really is. Another listener on... Rachel, could you please explain what are fermented foods? So fermented foods are basically live foods. So they are foods that uh, traditionally have been made in a lot of different cultures over time in order to preserve their seasonal uh, crops to be able to enjoy them at later times in the year. So things like sauerkraut, uh, which is the traditional, you know, uh, uh, Polish uh, recipe. And then you've got things like kimchi, which would be the uh, Korean version, mm. which is very spicy, has chilies and ginger and turmeric and lots of lovely and anti-inflammatory um, spices in it. And then you've got things like uh, kombucha, which is a fermented tea made with green tea and uh, sugar, actually. But the sugar is consumed by the bacteria and converted into this kind of very health-promoting drink. So there's lots of different ways that you can include fermented foods in your diet. And I'm actually in the process of a ferment- fermentation course at the moment. It's over three or four weeks. I'm going, to, going into week three now with a group of students. And uh, that's really, really great to be able to learn how to make your own fermented foods because those over time are a very sustainable way of including beneficial bacteria in your gut without having to take the highest, the the, the really expensive uh, supplements. So the kombucha or kombucha as they yeah. call it, it's available, you can buy it off the shelf. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, you can buy it in certain good cafes and, and yes. restaurants and shops. Um, but just be careful of the brands that you're choosing as well. If it tastes extremely sweet, you know it hasn't been fermented for very long. Okay. Therefore, you're not getting the full benefit of it. It's so cheap to make. Okay, well there you are, it can be made. And mm-hmm. um, wh- while we're on the subject, what about supplements? You know, someone mm-hmm. will say to you, can I take a supplement that'll help me? Um... I don't buy into those whole kind of weight loss uh, diet supplements. So the kind of supplements that I'm recommending are the practitioner strength uh, supplements. So they're really, really high quality. They would have a very high percentage of the active properties and they will definitely, you know, support your long term health. So for somebody who's maybe uh, transitioning from that kind of typical Western diet, which is high sugar and high fat, high processed foods, I would probably recommend let's go with something like a um, chromium supplement, which will really help to curb those sugar cravings and we could take that for a short period of time and um, and then there's a couple of other ones that I would suggest things like omega-3 fats always suggest taking those and pretty much consistently because they really benefit your um, your cognitive function so your memory your concentration and overall brain health in reducing inflammation as well and then vitamin D I think just because because we live in Ireland and we have such a weak strength of UV rays, it's really important to supplement between October and April when those UV rays are at their weakest. And we all seem to be quite deficient in vitamin D. And it's such an important vitamin that uh, really supports uh, things like bone density, in particular for women at a certain age as well, when preventing osteoporosis and whatnot. And also strengthens your immunity as well. Very good. Um, gadgets and wearables. Are you into any of these things? You know, we're Fitbits. Yeah, well, I wear a Fitbit myself. Yeah, yeah, I have a Fitbit that I wear and I'm always trying to just do at least 10,000 steps a day, always ideally getting over that. But I would definitely recommend it. It keeps you on track. It buzzes on your wrist when you, you know, need to move. Um, so if you've been sitting at your desk for too long or whatever, so it's just like a little reminder. And uh, I find it good. They also have on most smartphones, they'd have like a health app. So the Samsung smartphone I know has one and Apple have one as well. I would say use them um, and just see 
how many steps you're doing a day. It really kind of uh, makes you aware of how active you are. <laughs> uh, there's a lovely message for you. Just come in on WhatsApp. Uh, woohoo! I, I, I say that. You didn't say it in the message, but I'm, we're delighted with this. Did I hear Rachel mention porridge bread? I make it every day. So Brilliant. I'm healthy. Yes, yes exactly, you are. Exactly. It's a great bread. Yeah, because oats are really, really high in a beneficial fibre known as beta-glucan, which is particularly beneficial for actually reducing cholesterol levels. Now, here's one I'm sure uh, we'll get this in before we finish that troubles mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. What's a good lunch to bring to work instead of brown bread and ham every day? I know the story. It's probably the handiest thing. You have a packet of ham in the fridge, you have the mm. bread, you put butter or whatever on it. I eat loads of bread and would would love something that is healthy but makes me feel full mm-hmm. as my job is physical. So I do need lots of energy. Good question. Yeah. So the whole grains, again, back to even uh, cooking up things like whole grain pasta or uh, quinoa as well as another great grain because it's also higher in protein. But has those complex carbs um, and trying that combination with uh, with protein so good quality protein like a nice piece of uh, organic chicken or a nice piece of salmon that you've cooked as well you can make these kind of nice salads and, and bring them with you so I, I would definitely recommend that Just on a dressing for mm-hmm. that and you know people a green salad's very good to you yeah. salads along with that yeah. what would you dress with that's healthy? Olive oil and balsamic vinegar just a mix of those two. Yeah, so you see that's how the Italians... Dash a lemon into yeah, maybe or, or something. If you want to do that, you could just do olive oil and lemon. But I would say olive, really good quality olive oil and a really nice quality balsamic vinegar because it has a little bit of sweetness to it. It's so simple. 50-50? Uh, no, no, no. Phone 70, a friend. 70-30. Ask the audience. <laughs> <laughs> no, about 70-30. Okay, so 70 in favour of the uh, oil. Olive, olive oil, yeah. And 30 then. For, and that's the simple dressing because <laughs> I often hear people complain about that, mm-hmm. that the salads are boring, the mm-hmm. food is boring but a little yeah. dressing like that. Yeah. You mean you could make it into a nice vinaigrette and add yes. mustard and a little bit of maybe maple syrup or something like that or local honey and then you've got and even a bit of garlic and make your own lovely balsamic vinegar. You've eaten heads of cabbage, never yes. mind. <laughs> Salads with a dressing like that. Your workshops before you go. Yes, so this coming weekend on Saturday I have part three, or part three of my fermentation workshop. We'll be learning how to make apple cider vinegar which would be a nice addition to his salad, by the way. Yes, lovely. And also uh, yoghurt and coconut yoghurt and things like that, uh, amongst other things. And also then on Sunday, I'm doing a kind of a unique event. It's a brunch and learn event. So it is a nutrition talk followed by a really nutritional brunch. And this week's theme is all about um, mental health. So it's called okay. Mood, Food and the Gut and how your gut influences your mental health. Fantastic. More information from rachelgraham.ie or 87 219 And we have that number off the usual numbers here. I've thoroughly enjoyed your company Thank for the you. month of January. I want you to come back. We'll arrange this down the road. Mm-hmm. I'll do the sugar challenge with you myself. Brilliant. Is yes. that okay? Five so days. that's our next yes. date. You're All mine right. for five days. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Graham, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sherry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. Yes, I think I'm on. You're having such a good time on late lunch. You just forget yourself and you forget to prop the microphone and you load of new guests sitting into the seats in the studio. Apologies for that. Anyway, you're at late lunch on LMFM Radio this Monday afternoon. Well, is your social media fit for purpose? 
would you like to get involved in a social media group? Uh, there's actually two of them, Facebook, Twitter, in the me, there and beyond. Well, we're going to talk about it for the next while because returning to late lunch is Emer Duffy, social media consultant from Fit Social Media. Emer, you're very welcome back to the show. Lovely to see you again. Thank you. Joining you today is Helena Gilhooley from Busy Tweeters and this woman is a busy tweeter, I can tell you. Hello, Jeremy. Welcome. How are you? And another returning guest who's part of the group in me. You met him when we did the special environmental programme the show. He's been involved with government agency, agencies, particularly into the greening of the environment. And he's back with us today from Timesworth Limited, Stephen McDonald. Good to see you again. And great to be back, Jerry. Thank you for joining us on the show. Well, Emer, you put all this afoot for a start. So you Don't better blame me. <laughs> I'm thanking you for putting it afoot, actually. But look, since you were with us last, there's been a lot happening in the social media space with you. So tell our listeners, for example, we're going to sort of concentrate on Facebook and Twitter today. So the Facebook group in the Royal County came first, was it? Yeah, um, I had started my business about two years ago. And, um, you know, when you're starting out first, uh, you don't have a big pot to go um, out and about and network. And so... Facebook groups are a great environment to build up a community and to uh, build, you know, get to know people like and trust them, you know. And I started off with three members of myself and it has steadily grown over the last 18 months and we have nearly 370 members. Good on you. Yeah. Well, that would be called an explosion when it comes to the the, the, the Meath area, wouldn't it? In numbers. Yeah, wise. yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, through that group, I met uh, Stephen mm-hmm. and I knew Helena um, also. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, I persuaded them to come on and be admins and let's grow the group even and move it forward. You know, you're very persuasive. I I know this from the few times I've met you. I'd say there's very few people say no to you when you suggest. Anyway, you've done it, and look what's happened. It's a wonderful yeah. story. So that's on the Facebook. I'm going to bring Stephen in a minute. What about on on the Twitter aspect? That's more recent, isn't it? Yeah, that was uh, about ten, nine ten months ago. We, um, I was driving along one day, and um, I'd just been to an event. Um, and I rang Helena and I said, you know what? I said, I was just thinking there's no uh, Twitter are really focused on Meath and Meath businesses. I know there is live chat and there is uh, other well-known uh, hours, but there's not one for Meath. So uh, she says, oh, maybe we'll create one. And so we started that and then we said it to Stephen and Stephen goes, ah, oh, sure, come on, we'll give it a go. And uh, that's a good impression of you. Isn't yeah, it? very good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have Meath Biz Hour and we're on every Monday night between 9 and 10 and we've even trended with our hashtag which is Meath Biz Hour over Corrie. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Seriously. There's a claim to fame. Yeah. Coronation Street number two to the Meath Biz Hour on Monday nights and that will happen again tonight from 9 to 10. Yeah. Is it every Monday, yes? Every Monday. Bar the odd bank holiday when we know people are going to be, you know, maybe very busy doing other things. Okay, so it's going really well from both perspectives for you. Yeah. Let me bring Stephen McDonald into the conversation. You started on Facebook, you're now deeply involved in in the Twitter as well. What has it meant to you and what you do, all of this? Um, I suppose the easiest way to to kind of frame it, it's, it's taking the approach of rising all boats together. So we would take the approach of actually helping people out who are starting off in business they can help ourselves out as well and that way everybody in and generally small businesses in the media area can benefit from it 
because it's, it's when you start off in business yourself like I'm in business two and a half years now it can be quite a scary thing to do it can be quite concerning as to what do I do where do I go for help and the fact that it's a closed group is not public you can ask questions you wouldn't necessarily ask in the public domain and get get a mature and considered answer from somebody who's actually been through that experience before so just explain now about a closed group. I understand it, but just for listeners today, what that means. Yeah, so it's with Facebook, uh, it, it's generally it's a public forum. Yeah. But with a closed group, it's it's by invite. So you have to answer a number of questions. And what we do is we actually vet everybody going yeah. in that make sure that they are part of a, a meat small business so that anybody in the community can feel a bit safer, actually, about talking in there. Of course. About being, about talking about issues they might be having. So what... From a personal point of view and from from the others in the group, and it really has grown, I congratulate you again. What's what's in it for me as a small business? I know you touched on a couple of things there. What else? Is it networking? Is it opening up opportunities? Is it, you know, knowing that there are others in the same boat as myself today if I'm facing something? Does that sum it up? There's a couple of different ways. And and it's the ability to, to, to even to say to somebody, I'm having a really tough day today. What would I do next? Uh, part something else that we would do is we have face-to-face networking events so we're having our next networking event in Trim in Trim and Healthy who in fairness to Charlotte has supported us quite well and that's an opportunity for business owners to get together between 6 and 8 o'clock and talk about issues you're having talk to other business owners see if they're actually in your space or you can collaborate with them I'm a big fan of collaboration and also what we try and do as well is a spotlight of one or two businesses every night Okay, so for you personally and for all those hundreds of others, it's now developing into another phase of it that you are getting round the table and doing face-to-face stuff as well. Absolutely, yes. Terrific. Let's bring in the Queen of Twitter to talk to us now. How do you like that? Do you like that? Is that a nice title or am I I overdoing it there, uh, Helena? I've been called it once or twice, okay. (laughs) Tell us your story and, you know, coming into contact with Emer and getting involved in, in the Twitter group. My first business is actually a jewellery business and through learning social media over the last five, six years um, I have learned a lot of skills so I decided to set up uh, a second business because I was helping people with their social media so <clears throat> what I am is what I call myself as a social media engager so people that haven't got a presence online I'm there and I am them and I help them raise their profile online be it on Facebook Twitter or Instagram so so from engagement on the finger to engagement on Twitter <laughs> I see a synergy there I feel it Good, good. I'm glad you do. <laughs> so that's your role. Go on, tell me more, yeah? So then, as Zima said, we set up uh, Me's Biz Hour on Monday evenings from nine o'clock. And it was basically a way of giving people a voice online that weren't quite good at Twitter. We also have, before the hour actually starts, we have a chat with the people so they know what to expect, what's coming up with them, what questions are going to be coming at them. So they're not like totally gone blind online, like, you know, and they can ask us questions anytime, of course, the week beforehand leading up to if they need some information about what they need to put up and put out. So we're there for them in in the background as well as in the front, forefront. Terrific. Emer, back to you. Uh, like today, Twitter's gone mad for us, thanks to you all <laughs> as well. I've never seen such a blaze of, of glory uh, Twitter-wise. How important is Twitter to, to business people? Well, think of it this way. If you go to an industry event or some award ceremony, the platform of choice is Twitter. And I'm sure yourself, Jerry, you would agree with me. Uh, yes. <laughs> when you point it out like that, yes. <laughs> yes. So if you want to be seen at things like even the Pline Championships, mm. they would have a hashtag. And it doesn't matter whether you have a big stand or you have a small stand. You will actually only be noted if you're on Twitter. Um, so for me, 
it is the choice of platform for businesses going forward. So not the, everybody's on Facebook and not everybody's on Instagram. So it's really like, you know, you're pulling people to you. You're drawing attention to yourself. You know what I mean? It is the way of today. You must be at that in the here and now to get yeah. people to come and know. you. breaking news is on Twitter. Yeah, true. And so if you want to be seen on something that's, uh, you know, uh, like Monday motivation as a hashtag. Mm. You know, a lot of people would hop on that and you might actually get seen by somebody that wouldn't have noticed you before. Yes. And and when you compare that with, with Facebook or contrast or combine the two, what mm-hmm. do you say to businesses today? Are these the two platforms on social media that are most important to business people today? Um, yeah, but I always say bricks and mortar is Facebook and Instagram, but still in all, conversations happen through Twitter and it is the the fastest growing, I, I feel, you know, mm. Facebook, you, sometimes you get a little bit fed up with Facebook, um, you know, and uh, you probably think, I want to go and see what else is out there and who else is out there, you know? Mm. I mean, even Stephen would say um, he uh, would be more kind of, you know, looking at LinkedIn probably, and, but still Twitter is very, very popular. Mm. What you know? about LinkedIn? What about LinkedIn, Stephen? As yeah, we, as and, and again, it's it's horses for courses. Like LinkedIn would definitely be um, what you call a professional social network. So it's a bit more where Twitter is an open conversation. I describe Twitter as a bar chat. So you don't get to choose the conversation that's happening, but you can get involved in what conversation is going on. Where LinkedIn is a bit more reserved, it's a bit more professional and is focused more on business to business, if, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. And important. The other thing to, to say about all these platforms as well, how important is it to have your profiles up to date if you have something new, etc.? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Very important. It's it's very important if you are on social media to have up to date posts going out once a day, every other day to keep people uh, interested because people very it's quickly move on. Yeah, they very quickly move on. Can you over tweet? Um, not if you're at an event, you know, yeah, it's, yes. it, that's acceptable. If you're d- doing tweets every 10 minutes just for the sake of doing tweeting, that's no good. You know, you're not going to get your message it, out it, there. Is that as bad as actually, you know, doing none at all? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, it's like, why would you go off and then just disappear and not have any kind of consistency? And then if you're at people all the time, you're going to turn them off. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and, and I do say uh, it's an off-putter to me if I go in and I see something that is lying there even for a few weeks or that or maybe yeah. a couple of months. You think to yourself, hey, what's going on here, don't you? That oh, yeah, yeah. That comes to your mind. And can impact, would you say, impact on, on people doing business with you? Absolutely. Like, And, and I think the... No matter what the social media, the, the communication methods, the, the the interaction you have, going away and then coming back full on is 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 probably negative for business. You should have, should have a continuous message, so people are continuously aware of you and know your business. And particularly if you're small business, if you're one one person business, it's important that people know you because if they don't know who you are, how to get in touch with you. The business isn't going to come in through the door. You have to go and get it. Yeah. And go and get it can be face-to-face or it can actually be actively being online. We are uh, talking about social media, especially Twitter and Facebook this afternoon with Emer Duffy, Helena Gilhooley and Stephen McDonald back after the break. Social media, it's where it's at in the world and for business especially. And I'm joined today on Late Lunch by Emer Duffy, Helena Gilhooley and Stephen McDonald. Since we were talking about it a moment ago, let's start there. The hashtag. How important is the hashtag, Helena? A hashtag is very important, especially if you're going to an event, because that, it gives you a great way of connecting with people 
people that are at the event that you probably don't know, but you may want to meet them. Uh, the hashtag is also very important for the likes of what we do, which is the hour chat, because you can check what other businesses are in your area that you may want to connect with them. You may want to collab with them, as Stephen was saying earlier on. Um, it, it, it's a great way of keeping contact with people. Now, your hour is tonight, I want to mention it again, yes. between 9 and 10, Emer. Yes. And it's for mead business or mead related, is it? Mead related. Um, mead businesses, anyone who wants to be seen in mead. That was the reason I set it up, because I wanted something that would actually make people a little, get a better reach rather than just work, stay on Facebook. Try something different and you will be surprised. The ripple effect is unreal, you know. So this evening, if I'm... A lone campaigner out there running my own show. Join us. Maybe have a couple of people working with me. Join this evening. Yeah. So how do they join this evening? Just tell them. They We have two hashtags. We would have our own hashtag, which is MeadBizHour. Right? Okay. And there's no um, space between the words MeadBiz and Hour. All lowercase. All lowercase. All lowercase. MeadBizHour. So B-I-Z. if you put that in at nine o'clock tonight and hit that, then you'll come on and you'll see the chat that's happening. Also follow us on MeadBizHour. Mm. and uh, you will then also start to be able to engage as long as you put in the hashtag in your your tweet you know or your comment you will be able to get seen by everyone else that's in that moment here's your chance tonight between 9 and 10 tell them the story of Katrina Kelly who I interviewed here lovely lovely lady the Hope Foundation heading for India Calcutta She actually uh, came to me, we were talking about getting some social media training and I suggested uh, going on Twitter because she was going to India. So she went, oh, I don't know about this. And I said, listen, Katrina, sit down, we'll get on, we'll do it. So we did it and she made me laugh because she went, oh, so that's how it works. She couldn't get over. So anyway, she went off to India with the Hope Foundation and that was how she got her message out and got the Hope Foundation um, seen. By using Twitter. Yeah, the, the, the power of it worldwide. Just an example there we wanted to give you. Stephen, back to you, engaging, and we had engagement a few moments ago uh, with Helena. The importance of engaging for people. Yeah, no, and as I said earlier on, like the, the, the challenge when you start off a business is you're trying to figure out what, where, where do I get help? Where do I get things? What can I do? Getting involved in social media is simple. You don't have to go anywhere. So you can just get in, you can get involved. Um the joys of the, the hashtag and the hashtag is literally put your pound sign before the name it, it can just get you started in the conversation like we had another lady there last week as a star biz and she got some contacts over in New York for the, the trade show she's going to so it's a global it's a global conversation but it's, if you don't start the talk you can't expect an answer back. Mm. So you must engage so there are lots of practical examples of people mm. picking up like that yeah, lady there in business. Yeah, it's there for you. Yes, yes. yes. Um, look, I, I know you're not in this sphere at all and I was talking to you, Emer, earlier today. But young people, and the, I'm not talking about business here, but like you see the popularity of Instagram, Snapchat, and now this TikTok thing I've just oh, been yeah. reading about at the weekend. It's gone mad, these wee videos. Do you see, you know, the world that you operate in in social media and the platforms we're talking about today? Yeah. Is it inevitable that they're going to change with time? Yes. and But to be honest, the one thing that won't change is having a website or a landing page, you know, have your own domain name. Because even then, when people hop onto your website, when you Google you up, they'll expect to see social media icons. They'll expect them to be linked to the proper accounts and expect to be able to engage with you through that as well. So I always say, have your website at least and then look at the channels that your audience and your demographic are likely to be on. 
So you said earlier, and I took it up, bricks and mortar, you said. Yeah. And then in between that is your website, then your Facebook and your Twitter and your social media presence. Yeah. That's you, the way you, you see I it. I always say websites and social media are like a married couple. The website is the husband, all picture and no signed, and social media is the wife that never shuts up. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a clip I'll keep all right after today. I said, I'm glad I'm divorced. <laughs> well, there you go. And but I'm glad I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no taking it back. It's out there now. For good. Absolutely. It is, it is. Coming back to you just on that same question I posed yeah. and the future. Yeah, and I, I think going on what Emer said and it's something I've I've picked up recently as well. Like the, with social media, and and it has happened, uh, particularly and as you mentioned with LinkedIn earlier on, they changed how their messages are delivered uh, late last year, and as a result, people have to change how they interface with the with the system. So, if it's free, you're the product. And if it's a platform that you're not paying for, it's very little control on it. So as a business, you should always have your website set up. You should be working on your email list because you control them. And then your social media is a gravy on top. Interesting, isn't it? But back to that website again, still so important. for. Yes. I take it that there's not many businesses out there now could operate without a website. You'd be surprised. Oh, oh yeah. Few, I always few. say, please don't build your business on rented ground because that is what the social media platforms are you know you don't own them but you do own your own website and your own domain name so that still is a basic tenant we're talking about that people may overlook and yeah. think they can get away with not having the, the website where are you yeah. going to send your traffic jerry if you don't have yeah, true. a link on true, your facebook true, or on your true, twitter true. or your instagram do you feel there's so much has, has it got more convoluted you know from you would have started in business yourself Helena you know in, when you talk about you know having to have the website the social media presence your mobile phone that goes with you everywhere yeah. all these different things happening yeah. everywhere the phone is never out of my hand usually yes. as a rule and it's a panic attack if you leave it at home if you go off without it tell me about it tell, but you know what I'm talking <clears throat> about there is so much to do one of the things you want to do is stand out from your competitors you know and you may only be on one platform but platforms do go down so yeah. it's good to have a finger like Facebook has gone down Twitter has gone down Instagram has gone down like they do all go down for some reason or other like you know so you need to be somewhere that people can contact you be it the website be it social media be it on the phone or whatever you, people need to know how to contact you so spread your bets yes yeah. and yeah. and as well and and I'd be I'd be guilty of it kind of late last year uh don't spread yourself too thin either because mm. you have to where where are your customers going to be where's where's the important important landscape you need to be in so pick your one or two platforms you need to be on spend some quality time on it and build your community there because again small business online is the same as small business in a village or in a town unless you have community unless you have built up relationships they're not going to engage with you not going to trade with you you did most of this yourself did you do what you're talking about there? Yeah. But that's why you're here. That's that, that's your reason there, That's why you exist, Emer. Yeah, um, I train people. Um, I also give consultations so that they actually have a, a plan of action going forward and make sure that their platform looks really well. And then you can build on it, you know. So I always say, let's bake the cake correctly and then you can ice it, you know. 
Um, there's no point in having a half-baked uh, cake and then trying to ice it. It's a bit like a half-baked social media platform. Just don't have it half done. And and that's an important point because I'm sure the people listening who are thinking, how am I going to go about this? You know, they say, that's all well and fine. You folks know what you're talking about. You're well-established. And how do I go about it? How do I do it? Where do I get the advice? That is, again, where, where you come in. And you'll, yeah. you'll link with anybody who wants oh, and yeah. work with them. Yeah, anybody. I, I always say, look, the, the more scared you are, the better because I love giving you back the power and giving you the confidence and letting you go forward. Um, and that was another reason why I put together the Facebook group uh, because I felt there were people out there who actually are wary. They might just have a personal profile and they don't realise you cannot sell on a personal profile. You have to have a business page. Then, uh, moving forward from there, I thought, you know, a lot of people would just stay on Facebook and they wouldn't think of an alternative channel. So that's why the Twitter hour came about. And, you know, uh, we're a great team. We work together. We're there. And, you know, we're not afraid of questions. Any question, you know, doesn't matter. You know, we've all started somewhere. We all got into a car and learned to drive from first gear, not on sixth gear. And I take it as well with yourself that with time and the time you've been spending on this with the different companies and people and that as well, that there's common issues across the board there are common pitfalls there are things to do and not to do which you've picked up yourself yeah I write a blog um, and it's uh, I send it out once a month kind of thing and uh, you know that's the way business should be show what you do you know and there could be somebody out there searching for how to create a tweet say for example and you know it's nice to have somebody in me creating that kind of content for you you know so again as I say I'm hoping that that coming on today that other businesses out there would like the idea of being in a Facebook group where they feel comfortable. Mm. Um, Come on the Meath Biz Hour and give it a go. And you might be surprised at what people will find out about you and what your offerings are, you know. Um, Helena, I take it there's real cute and clever ways of tweeting, you know, that that catch people. People love short and snappy and funny. Is that it? Yeah. There's a lot short, of Short, snappy, funny. funny yeah. Our I, Louise is brilliant at that, I have brilliant. to say. My well producer, done, Louise. Louise Walsh, she's a star at it. Gifts. Gifts are brilliant. They take the whole, uh, oh God, what am I going to post? Because if, if you want a funny comment, you can do a gif if you haven't got time to stay and tweet so that you're still interacting with people and they say, oh, that was funny. You know, they're still there with you, like, mm, you know. Mm. But uh, hashtags, big thing in the hashtags is to make sure you're using the correct hashtag Yes. When you're participating in something. Very important. Final word, Stephen, to you before we finish up today. Final message. Um, I suppose it's to get involved and, and get involved. Like an example would be this morning, one of uh, the group wanted to get business cards, had looked at uh, one of the online um, platforms, Ribble Director to uh, Derby Print and Trim, who's a member of the network, and he got her sorted today. So... Get involved and keep it local. Well, I'm going to give you three one last piece of advice because I've been watching your tweets. We had Rachel, uh, Rachel Graham on before you, a nutritionist, and telling us all to avoid that sugar. Forget about that chocolate cake and coffee you're going for. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my final tweet to you three today. Anyway, good luck. Nine to ten tonight. Join in. You're more than welcome. And, uh, and the Facebook group the as Facebook well. The Facebook group as well. Emer Duffy, social media consultant. Helena Gilhooley. Busy tweeters and Stephen McDonald from Timesworth Limited. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you. Pleasure, Jerry. Following our chat with nutritionist Rachel Graham, Jerry was on from Knockbridge. He says, Oh, Jerry, I love dough bread toasted. Toasted. Is that good for you or bad for you? It's beautiful. You should try it. Having it now for me, lunch, says Jerry. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Lovely fresh loaf bread and toaster and butter and jam. I know. But the old sugar, Jerry, the old sugar. 
Honey, honey, is better for you. Anyway, enjoy your bread this afternoon. But look, seriously, it is a, a big consideration for all of us. The sugar hit, the hidden sugar hit all over the place. We need to be aware and we need to reduce good news. Great news for you now on late lunch. Remember uh, last year we met Liam O'Keefe and he was raising funds for Hannah Donnelly and uh, of course there was a big awareness campaign fundraising, there's been political lobbying. You see Hannah's been in hospital for quite some time but guess what? She's coming home. Her dad Michael was here with us last year her mum Pearl Donnelly is on the line Afternoon Pearl Afternoon, and Jerry. Thank you for joining me on the show. Well, it is great news for Hannah at last. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic news, and we're just thrilled. When is she coming home, Pearl? When do you expect to have her home? Probably in about four to six weeks. The package has been passed, the funding has been passed, so it's just a matter of getting all our little bits sorted and wait for discharge date. So that's probably going to be around four to six weeks. How How long, remind us again, how long is she in Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital? She's in Our Lady of Lourdes about a year and a year and two months but in, in total she's before that she was in Temple Street so she's nearly three years in hospital Oh my word and I was up there judging their cakes uh, before Christmas and she was there and you know something they just love her to bits Oh they adore they're fantastic weather. you know they sort of went above and beyond for her they make everyday special for her they really do yeah, they really take her to heart Yeah they're wonderful she's like one of their own and she was part oh, of the yeah. whole thing up there on the day she had the makeup on and the lipstick and she was making the world of her and she was so happy and she's yeah. aware herself that now that she's coming home oh yeah yeah she was she is she really wants to you know she's sort of time and she just wants to I think move on to the next chapter and get back to family life and you know mm. so she is very aware of it and she's very really excited about it yeah for yourself and Michael and our sister is it yes who's who's at home yeah. Um, for yourselves, you've been ever present, be it in Temple Street or in the main hospital in Drogheda. This is going to be life changing for you guys as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Not to have to always be on the run and you know leave and go and you know just have a bit of normal life that everyone else has. Yeah, it's fantastic news. Well, look at I know how much she's held within the hearts of your family and friends and of a, a huge wide circle in the Drahod and Greater Drahod area who've all been trying to make this time happen for you and we're just delighted I want to say this from everybody who can't express it to you maybe all delighted that this is happening for Hannah Oh thank you very much we're thrilled I'm sure you are and listen uh, enjoy the time when she gets home now to you I'm sure it is going to be a new beginning for all of you thanks for taking our call Pearl thanks very much thank you not at all bye 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 that's Pearl Donnelly there Hannah the Warrior she's known as and my god when you think of it such a journey between Temple Street and the hospital over three years hospitalised and this young lady now is coming home with the care package in place and modifications at home whenever uh, that she can be looked after uh, to the best of everybody's ability it's a great great wee story and we wish the Donnelly family all the very very best and thank everybody who supported the fundraising drive and the awareness drive and everybody who made this happen for them it's wonderful wonderful news I've followed him for years in the Irish Times always enjoy what he has to say he's a travel writer he's uh, you'll hear him on radio television And he's synonymous with going round this globe of ours to different places, holiday travel, recommending places. And he's abroad as I speak today, but Monacon McGann 
has made a commitment in the Times at the weekend and he's on the line with me. Monacon, good afternoon. Hello to you, Jerry. Will you tell us a wee bit about yourself? I basically, I'm someone who brought up in Dublin and at the age of 18, in 1988, I just had to get out of Dublin. So I travelled. I just went off to Africa. And sort of, it just gave me this wide sort of sense of the world. So then I think I spent about a year in Africa and then two years in South America and then a year up in the Himalayas running a leper station. And eventually when I was there, that was about after six years, I think, my brother came out and made a TG Carter documentary and that was in 1996. And then we spent, my brother and I spent about a decade making travel documentaries for TG Carter or Tina G at the time and for the Travel Channel International. So we went to China and the Middle East and South America and Greenland and basically all over the world. And then in 2008, uh, or a bit over a decade ago, the Irish Times set up this uh, travel supplement. Mm. And I started writing for them, um, you know, for more frequently. I had been writing a bit for the Irish Times before. And so now, then for about three years, I think I was on Sherry Ryan, oh, sorry, on the George Hook show talking about travel. Yes. And before that on Matt Cooper. And now I do a bit on the Sean O'Rourke show on RTE. Um, and so travel has been my life and I never thought I'd give it up. And if you had asked me like a year ago, would I give it up? There was no way I would. And just with, you know, as the, 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 the repercussions of climate change is beginning to hit all of us, I suddenly realized all of these flights, not only that I was taking, but that I was encouraging other people to take, were having an effect. It could be minimal. Clearly, it is minimal compared to the overall, uh, you know, global emissions. But I, I had a role to play in increasing the carbon um, emissions of this planet, and I didn't feel I could continue doing it. So as of the beginning of this year, I, um, I've got, basically have stopped taking flights for, for holidays and, and I'm going to try not to be promoting it. I'm going to just try and talk about either holidays, place, the ways that you can get around the world or at least around Europe by train and by boat. My, oh my. I followed you all these years in the Irish Times and I know about your filmmaking and radio work as well. And when I read it on Saturday, I had to look twice at the headline and the first paragraph and say, are you joking me? Now, you are abroad today, aren't you? I am. So I think last, today, what day is today? Last Tuesday, I, I left from Dublin Port. Well, I left from Westmoreland Street, took the bus there out to the to Irish Ferries Terminal and uh, went to London and from there went down to Paris and then to Barcelona. So I spent about four or five days in Barcelona and then I took another train down here to Seville. Well, down to Seville. Then this morning, I took a local bus out to, I don't know where the hell I am, somewhere called Doniana <laughs> National Park. I'm basically in the middle of this wildlife swamp wilderness and I can't see anything for miles around me. Aren't you lucky? But (laughs) this is now the future, Monacon. You are not going to travel by air anymore. Not for holidays. I, I don't know. If, I, if, it, if, if, if there's sort of a job and I realise if I have to make money or an income, then it's going to be a hard decision for me. Am I going to have to take a flight for that? So what I've done is that I've realised that the, the carbon emissions of a flight to LA is like 2.3 tonnes. So I've decided to set myself a limit. I'm going to allow myself 2.3 tonnes every two years. And that'll be the equivalent of like maybe six return flights to Berlin or four flights down to Malaga. Um, but as long as I don't increase that 2.3 Three, um, 2.3 tonnes then, then I'm, you know that for the moment uh, I'm going to limit it to that But you know there's not just you on the flight you'd have to apportion that 2.3 tonnes really out across the the passengers, you know, so your no, element. I would, no, I wish, I wish, I wish I had. I wish I was relative. You know, that's per passenger. Right. It's actually, yeah, it's a lot bigger. Oh and my! So 
Yeah, and that 2.3, that's a quarter, it's a fifth of an entire Irish person's yearly allowance. If a person doesn't fly, you know, I think they, they, an Irish person, they, they emit about 10 tonnes or 11 or 12 tonnes, which is more than other Europeans just because the amount of cattle we have in Ireland. But so, yeah, it does make an impact. Um, and what I'm realising is actually the alternative opens up so many new avenues for me. Like, I'm really excited about the idea of trying to get to Iceland by boat and by ferry, um, and then even trying to get to the Canaries. Like, the, you know, Spain and the, the Canary Islands are such an important part for Irish people. Half of the population go to Spain every year and the Canaries. Like, that's two million people. So if we can get there... Well, if we can get there easily by, by ferry and train, but also we need to find a way of getting, getting there cheaply and it not taking, you know, ridiculous amounts of time. You know what uh, I'm thinking so here as you say well, that? Could mm-hmm. you travel all around the world without taking a flight? Like they did it, obviously, when there was no such thing as flight, when people <laughs> sailed. But today it would be possible to go all around this planet, Yes. It definitely would, yeah. So let's say for ferries, then the you know the thing is you just get on a cargo boat. Now a cargo boat, most of them now will have um, a, a accommodation for a few people because they get a tax rebate if they if they have it. But it'll cost about a hundred euros a day, and that's all your food included. That's actually it's a pretty cheap way of travelling in one way. You know that you're spending just a hundred. Well, to be I'd, I'd spend probably a lot less than that most days. But if that's a hundred euros a day, it could take nine days, let's say, to get even to New York. So that's nine hundred euros which suddenly is a lot of money and that's mm. only one way um, but yeah the world it is open what, what we're going to have to do is well first we're, I suppose at some point the governments are going to put more uh, taxes on aviation fuel so the flights will go up like I remember and you remember in the 80s and the 90s that was how when I wanted to get a summer job that was I went to, to, to Europe by, by coach and, uh, and ferry or train yes. and ferry it was just the way we did it because flights were always more expensive. And mm. then for some magical reasons, you know, we've had this amazing 20 or 25 year period of low, of low flights and we've all been able to do nine trips a year. But it looks like that might be coming to an end. Mm, and you are certainly taking a stand on this. And people are uh, obviously uh, amazed that you have and uh, that you've arrived at this conclusion. But you obviously believe strongly in uh, the effects that mankind is having on global warming and especially flight. Yeah, I mean, you know, climate change is obviously an issue that's beyond me. I don't understand it. So all I need to, to, I mean, I can't understand the repercussions, but all I need to do is I have to listen to the world scientists. And if they are saying that we are polluting the world, and if we can see from things like plastics that we're polluting the ocean, that seems very clear, then, you know, this way of of travelling where we were emitting so much carbon, um, it probably does need to change. And if I can still have an amazing holiday, if I can still, you know, get up to Norway by train, get through Germany, I'm pretty easily, like, you know, I left Dublin Port at 8 o'clock in the morning on whatever last Tuesday. And so by 4 o'clock I was in London, which, which isn't bad. You leave mm. at 8 o'clock, 4 o'clock in London. And then I just, it was a 15 minute to the Eurostar terminal, walked for 15 minutes, or actually 10 minutes. And then two hours later I was in Paris. So, it's, you know, you're, you can be in Paris by like 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. Definitely by 8.30. Um, so it's not too hard to do it. Um, and once the prices, you know, balance out, which they're going to have to do with government subsidy or something. And I mean, the other thing is that the only slow bit of this whole trip was the bit from Hollyhead to London on an old diesel train. Every, mm. All the trains in Europe are electric. They're, they're probably nuclear powered, which is another issue. Yes. But, um, you know, it's the only slow bit. And the ferry is super comfortable and super relaxing. So it's just that old, that old train from, from Hollyhead to London. Once that speeds up, then we really could be getting to, to mainland Europe easy enough. Well, you are such an interesting man uh, all of your life. And here you are now uh, at the vanguard of change as well. I'm just thinking, I have to say goodbye to you now. Phileas Fogg of the modern era.
<laughs> Monocon. Yeah, I might be just as disillusioned and disillusioned by him by the end of the year. Ah, don't, don't. You're a great guy. Keep on the great writing. I love it every week. I never miss it. And enjoy your time in Spain. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't he a great guy? <laughs> Genuinely, I've been a great follower of his for years. That's Monacan McGann there, who is saying, you heard him there, virtually he's not going to fly in the future. Anyway, there you go. Wouldn't I love to be where he is in Spain today in that wilderness? Ah, no, I wouldn't. I want to be here with all of you, of course. That's where I love to be, Monday to Friday between half one and half three. Anyway, have a lovely evening. See you Tuesday, 1.30. Leave you in the company of the brilliant Benny King. Remember, late lunch. Stand by us. It's stand by me, just for you. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me So darling, darling, stand by me, oh, stand by me, oh, stand, stand by me, stand by me. If the sky that we look upon should tumble and fall, or the mountains should crumble, I won't cry, I won't cry, no I won't shed a tear just as long as you stand, stand by me and all. Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to smile with the best deals on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.